Uh, this is the first night of our uh, Word Seminar 2021, this first quarter, amen, and we are so glad to be able to uh, come out uh, for what uh, for us is a different night, a Wednesday night, uh, but we just thank God for each of you. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 1 through 3. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verses 1 through 3, amen, uh, is where we're going to begin tonight. Again, uh, those of you who are joining us via live stream, welcome to Bethany Fellowship Church, uh, amen, the Impact Center, and we are glad to have each of you here with us uh, for what is a little different than our normal teaching time when we gather uh, I, I get excited about the word seminar times because it's an opportunity for us to press beyond uh, uh, some of the constraints that we typically have relative to time, amen, like on Sunday mornings and, and some of the other occasions. This is a time, uh, as we'll talk about here in a moment, that we get to dig into the word of God, amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 this evening, I'm reading from the New King James uh, verses 1 through 3, uh, the ver uh, verse 1 reads, Now concerning spiritual gifts, and it, it was just so appropriate that the worship team sang uh, that last song, especially about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about him, the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not an it, but he is a he or a him. He is the third person in the Trinity. Amen. And he says, uh, Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. He says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. I mean, know if you're worshiping an idol, not only is the idol dumb, it's probably an indication of where you are. Say Amen. Uh, he says, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to remind us tonight uh, of the ultimate aim of the word seminars here at Bethany Fellowship Church. Uh, our desire is to continue to establish and maintain the word of God as our standard rule and final authority for both life and ministry. Uh, we're not playing when it comes to the word of God being the standard for us, being the rule for us, being the final authority for our lives and for the ministry. Uh, we don't apologize for being a word church, so to speak. Uh, we also desire to plumb the depths of God's word. Amen. We don't want to just be satisfied with, with the surface, reading a few, uh, one scripture or a few verses and then moving on. But we want to plumb the depths of God's word for a greater understanding. Somebody say understanding. understanding. Uh, of, of at least these five things, his purposes his promises, principles, protocols, amen, and practices. All of these are found in the word of God. Now, we specifically 
want to discover and receive as revelation certain New Testament realities to demonstrate and manifest three things, the love of the Father, amen, the life of the Son, and the light of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to just hear the word and not be doers. We don't want to just receive the word Sunday after Sunday, Thursday after Thursday, and there is no evidence of change. There is no evidence that we've taken in the word and our lives, amen, are not reflecting the love of the Father, the life of the Son, and the light of the Holy Spirit. Now, ultimately, this is about equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, amen, which is the church. We're studying the body of Christ on Tuesday nights, amen, uh, actually, the revelation of the body of Christ, a few of the elders are leading that, that discussion, and I've heard that it's been a tremendous time, amen, and people are getting insight and understanding about the Lord's body. We also want to see us all come to the unity of the faith. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13, this threefold destination for every believer. We also, this is a part of the aim of the word seminar, amen. We, we want to see us all come to the unity of the faith. That's number one. And secondly, to the unity of the full and thorough, accurate knowledge of the Son of God. That's number two. This is in Ephesians 4 and verse 13. And to a perfect man, according to the measure of the stature of the fullness of the Christ or of Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And so I encourage us to keep in mind that we're moving as a ministry. We're moving beyond a new wineskins formative stages. We're we're beyond the formative stages of a new wineskin. As we've talked before, the wineskin ultimately ensures that what we are implementing of the Lord is working and producing eternal results. Because I don't know about you all, I don't want to spend all of this time in my life in the things of the Lord and they not produce eternal results. I want to have deep abiding fruit, the kind of fruit that lasts. That's what Jesus promised us in John chapter 15, amen, that we would produce fruit and that fruit will remain. Somebody say thank you, Lord. And so what we want to do is encourage all of us to think reality and substance, amen, to think manifestation. I just don't want to hear the word. I just don't want to put more notes into my notebook. But what I want to do is to start, amen, embodying the things that have been taught. Do I have a witness? So uh, uh, while, while preparing for, for this time, I was reading uh, the book, our miraculous gifts for today. Our miraculous gifts for today. And I was intrigued by a series of questions that I felt had merit on our year-long focus for the Word Seminar. Uh, we're going to focus on the spiritual gifts, amen, once a quarter throughout 2021. But Wayne Grudem asked several questions. He asked, he says, how is the Holy Spirit working in churches today? Now, in some churches, he's not working at all. Amen. In some churches, the Holy Spirit uh, is bound up and tied up in a corner because the program and the personalities determine what goes on. 
He also asked, is, is he, the Holy Spirit, really giving miraculous healings and prophecies and messages in tongues? These are legitimate questions. He, he says, is he giving Christians new power for ministries when they experience a baptism in the Holy Spirit after conversion? Is he driving out demons when Christians command them to flee? Man, I, I, that's, those are great questions. Amen. And, and, uh, and then he says, or are these events confined to the distant past? To the time when the New Testament was being written and living apostles taught and governed and worked miracles in the churches. Now, I, I believe this. Amen. That there is much debate concerning these things uh, among uh, among Christians today. There's a lot of folk that don't believe the Holy Spirit is still moving, that the gifts ceased when the Bible was, was finalized or canonized, that nobody prophesies, that healings and miracles don't take place, that we don't have the power and the authority. And these are people that believe in the sufficiency, the inerrancy of Scripture. Now, so as a church, as a ministry, it is important for us to know what we believe. And what we believe about spiritual gifts, a little bit of it is on the screen. We believe that the ministry of the Holy Spirit as the executor over the church right now on earth, the Holy Spirit is in charge. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Lord. He enables and empowers all members. How many? All members. Who enables us? Who empowers us? The Holy Spirit, he enables all the members of the body of Christ. He is the spirit of Christ. And the body of Christ is enabled and empowered by the spirit of Christ. So if you're not experiencing this enablement or this empowerment, it could be that you're not a part of the body. Now, he does this so that we can represent our father in the advancement of the kingdom of God in the earth, we, we must have power to properly represent our father because he is omnipotent. He has all authority. Hallelujah. And he has given us delegated authority. In his name, we can cast out devils. I'm trying to stay uh, teaching right through here, but I feel the Holy Ghost. It's kind of hard to talk about it. And especially he's on the inside of you. You know, some of these things that we're reaching for medicine and running the counselors and psychologists and, and, and saints have, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but saints have started practicing meditation and, and burning sage and all this other kinds of stuff. No, what we're supposed to rely on is the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. So there's a bunch of scriptures you want to trouble Lydia for these notes. The Holy Spirit, we also believe, this is what Bethany believes, the Holy Spirit sovereignly administrates and distributes still today offices, gifts, and assignments to the body of Christ for the effective function, amen, in the world. God expects us to have the advantage. He expects us to, to come out on top. He expects us to win, amen, in terms of advancing his kingdom and being uh, able to function effectively in the world. But that's not it, amen. 
We also believe that the ministry of the Holy Spirit in signs and wonders. We're one of those kind of churches. Amen. We're, we're some of those believers. We still believe in signs, wonders, and notable miracles. We believe that God, our God, can do the supernatural. That he can operate outside, amen, of the natural laws. That's what a miracle is. Hallelujah. How many know that God still works miracles? So we believe in signs and wonders and that they continue to be as broad and tangible and powerful among believers today as it was in the early church. It didn't stop with Jesus. It didn't stop with Luke. It didn't stop with Peter and Paul and James. Hallelujah. The book of Acts, glory be to God, was never finished because the church is still functioning under the power of the Holy Ghost. So we also believe that all the biblical gifts, how many? All the biblical gifts of the spirit continue to be distributed by the spirit today. That, that's what we believe here at Bethany. Amen. And that these gifts are divine provisions. Hallelujah. Because we have a supernatural father and we're in a supernatural family and we have supernatural resources. And he gives us what kind of provisions? Divine provisions. Amen. And these are central to spiritual growth and effective ministry. And that these gifts are to be eagerly desired. That's 1 Corinthians 14 and 1. He says that we're to desire the gifts. Amen. We're to pursue the gifts. We're to function in the gifts. So that means that the Bible commands it and we don't do it, we're sinning. Hallelujah. It also says, praise the Lord, what we believe, that these gifts are to be faithfully developed. You shouldn't be satisfied with just knowing you have a gift. Now you have a responsibility to faithfully develop this gift because you're going to have to give an account to God for your stewardship of what he gave you. And they are to be lovingly exercised according to biblical guidelines. Isn't that good? Aren't you glad you go to a church that has codified what it believes about the gifts? Last year, we were talking about what we believed about the word of God. But now we're talking about the spiritual gifts. It's important that you get this and go through these scriptures and internalize it. So you know that when you come to service, come to worship, we expect you to have your gift on. Stop taking home what we need. Amen. We're going to talk about it tonight. Why? Why people don't. Uh, function in their gifts. So in summary, we believe that all the gifts of the spirit continue to be given by God. He didn't cut them off because they put revelation in the Bible. And that they are they are therefore operative in the church today to encourage believers. This is why Paul said that he want everybody to prophesy so that we can be encouraged. And we're living in days where you need to be encouraged because every, every outlet that you turn to has the ability to discourage you. Your own life has low points and places, glory to God, where you can easily become discouraged. But wouldn't it be wonderful that when you came in the company of the believers, somebody would slide beside you and begin to prophesy to you by the spirit of the Lord? 
and encourage you and exhort you. Amen. We were on that call last night and I had to tell the young man from the Bahamas. I said, brother, when you were talking, you stirred up something. in. He's a prophet. You stirred up something in me. That's what ought to happen when believers get together. You ought to be stirred to love and to good works. So then our specific aim in this year's word seminars is to address the proper functioning of spiritual gifts. Come on, say spiritual gifts. And for that matter, how to live a practical, spirit-filled life. We're not just supposed to exist. We're to live a practical, spirit-filled life. Amen? We need to live as supernatural people because we're in a supernatural family. How many believe that? We're not supposed to live like natural uh, individuals. Amen? Amen? Uh, uh, we also hope to provide an apostolic hermeneutic or understanding of the spiritual gifts. So there, there is much confusion, there's much division, there's much debate concerning spiritual gifts. There has also been some error and some abuse. As a result, there is fear and there is ignorance. Conditions like these are not God's best. I mean, know that to be the truth. God doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to be divided or, or confused. He doesn't want us arguing over the spiritual gifts. He wants us operating in the spiritual gifts. Amen. So what we hope to do is to shed some light on properly functioning in the spiritual gifts and eliminate some of the confusion, eliminate some of the fear, do away with some of the ignorance. Amen. Now, Jesus is coming back for a certain kind of church. Go to Ephesians chapter five. Verse 27, teach us Holy Ghost. Yes, Ephesians 5, verse 27. The Bible says, matter of fact, let's look at verse 26. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of, the, of water by the word. I just heard the Holy Ghost say, say something. Listen, husbands, amen, need to be respected by their wives Amen. So that they will be a little bit more motivated to wash their wives with the water of the word. Because if he feels like his wife doesn't respect him, he's probably going to be reluctant to bathe her with rhema word. The problem is she misses out. Because one aspect of what the husband's supposed to do is to be a sanctifier. Amen. So Jesus is doing the same thing to the church. He's releasing rhema word to sanctify us. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word that he might present her to himself. A glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's the kind of church that Jesus will present to himself. So we want to get rid of all of these things. I believe ignorance and confusion and division and debate and doubt and fear can be uh, 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 those things that diminish our holiness or hinder us from being the glorious church that the Lord will present to himself. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Y'all getting anything out of this? So Elder Cox did an excellent job on Sunday, amen, giving us a breakdown of 1 Corinthians. 
And uh, he said a number of things. I just want to highlight a few. But 1 Corinthians, amen, chapter 12 in particular, initiates the sixth division of this epistle or this letter that's written by the Apostle Paul. This particular section runs from chapter 12, verse 1, all the way over to chapter 14, verse 40. And it focuses on the Corinthians' questions concerning spiritual gifts. This letter to the Corinthian church was written primarily as an apostolic epistle. It was written by the Apostle Paul. He had the authority, amen, over the Corinthian church because this was a church he had planted. He talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul, amen, was seeking to resolve both doctrinal and practical problems within the local assembly. And so his authorship gives the letter apostolic application. Come on, say that. Apostolic application. Amen. And also, this has meaning and importance to all the churches of God. Look at 1 Corinthians 11 and uh, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 16 says, but if anyone seems to be contentious. That's after you've heard the teaching, you've received the letter, you got the instruction, and now you just want to be contentious. He says, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. So what he was writing was not just limited to them. It was a letter that has importance and a vitality and value, benefit for all churches. Amen, somebody. Uh, Norman Geisler, in his New Testament commentary, he writes concerning this, ep this epistle's purpose that, number one, Paul was concerned about administering the church's affairs. That's in chapters one through six. Two, he desired to answer the church's questions, chapter seven through 14. And then three, Paul wanted to address the church's misgivings in chapter 15. And then lastly, in chapter 16, Paul wished to ask for the church's contribution to help the poor saints in Jerusalem. Now, I want to suggest three overarching reasons for Paul's writing of 1 Corinthians. It's on the screen. Number one, he wanted to bring the church back together in a spirit of unity as one body in Christ. It says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, that he had gotten word from Chloe that there were some divisions that had broken out and some cliques and things of that nature had taken place. And then in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, he gives the antidote to it, amen, that they needed to speak the same thing, have the same testimony, same mind, and the same judgment. And he, so the church was severely divided. It was split. It was arguing. They were forming cliques. And Paul wanted to bring them back to unity, to being one, to being one body in Christ. Number two, he wanted to deal with immorality in the church. Amen. They had some sexual issues. They had some stuff going on in that church that shouldn't be named at any church. Can't go into detail. Maybe that's another message we'll get to. But they had immorality. It wasn't outside of the church. I mean, they were doing some stuff that Paul said the folk in the street ain't even getting down like that. That's what he said. Number three. Amen. Paul was writing to answer specific questions that the church had. They requested that Paul, amen, deal with marriage. 
They wanted to know how to have a kingdom marriage, a godly marriage, Christian liberty and Christian rights. They had questions about public worship and spiritual gifts and the resurrection of the dead. And despite Paul praising them, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 5. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 5. He says that you were enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge. Does everybody see that? He's, the Corinthians were living more carnally than spiritually. The Lord had given them an abundance of gifting and ability and power, and they still were more carnal than they were spiritual. So recall that 1 Corinthians was written to people whom Paul could not speak to as spiritual, but he had to speak to them as babes in Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Bible says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are not able. For you are still, what does it say? Carnal. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? So he couldn't talk to them like he wanted to. They were followers of men. They were demonstrating immaturity through their sectarianism. Yet we know from 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7, look at what it says, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 7, so that you come short in no gift. They were not behind any church in gifting. He says here, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet from that verse, we know that they came behind in no spiritual gift. And at the same time, they were carnal and they were divided. Isn't that something? Let that sink in for a moment. So from the very beginning of 1 Corinthians 12, or 1 Corinthians rather, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. Because spiritual gifts are important. Throughout, the, uh, first, throughout 1 Corinthians, he talks about the gifts, and we'll get into it tomorrow night. The gifts are necessary because they all do one thing. They build up. And so where the church is depleted, where the church is uh, deficient, where the church is not what it's supposed to be, it's typically an evidence of the gifts not functioning. Amen. So he, he says to them that despite them being, uh, again, enriched with all knowledge, he's mentioning these spiritual gifts. And so as we come to chapters 12 through 14, we see Paul dealing specifically with these gifts. The church at Corinth, listen to this, they were zealous. They had fervor. They had fire. They shouted. They danced. They ran. Come on, somebody. They were loud. They were boisterous. They were filled with praise. But they were ignorant and misinformed concerning spiritual gifts. See, just because you got a whole lot of spirit in the church doesn't mean you're knowledgeable. Doesn't mean that's rooted and grounded and founded in what it's supposed to be rooted and grounded and founded in. Amen. Am I helping anybody? So then in chapter 12 in verses one through three, 
Paul addresses several issues he expected them to avoid relative to the spiritual gifts. Amen. Several issues. Here, here, here are four. First of all, he wanted them to avoid ignorance concerning the spiritual gifts. This is true for us today. Come on, say this, that this is true for my life. I am not to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. Number two, he wanted them to avoid being carried away to false worship. To false worship. Three, he didn't want them to be uh, guilty of speaking false messages. And fourthly, he wanted them to avoid speaking the truth apart from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because, you know, there's going to be some folk, according to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, that will stand before the Lord and say, did we not prophesy in your name? After they call him Lord, Lord. So it means that we can speak the truth, but apart from the Holy Spirit. So in attempting to correct the Corinthians wrong thinking and wrong practice, Paul instructs them relative to the spiritual gifts that there is, first of all, unity amid diversity. Amen. There should be absolutely no pride just because you got a gift from God. You shouldn't be a proud somebody. There should be absolutely no controversy and there should be no division over the spiritual gifts. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let's look at verse 21 through 23. There should be absolutely no pride. You shouldn't get the big head because you took the little spiritual gift test and found out you got the gift of faith or whatever. There should be no controversy. There should be no division. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 21. It says, therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. Go to chapter four. Look at verse six. Now, these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against another. For who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Like you got it on your own. Like you gifted by yourself. Does everybody see that? So then Paul gives them a little sarcasm. Look at verse 8. He says, you are already full. In other words, y'all don't need anything. You don't need no help. You don't need no any anointing. You got this thing by yourself. He says, you are already rich. You have reigned as kings without us. You're bad by your, by your own self. He says, and indeed, I could wish you did reign that we also might reign with you. So he's trying to bring them down a little bit and let them know y'all ain't really reigning. Y'all think y'all reigning. But you really ain't all of that because these things depend on the Holy Ghost. Good teaching, Holy Spirit. 
So the example of the Corinthian church is a powerful one and one we should all receive as a warning of what can happen to a church full of God-given potential and gifting, but they never come close to the ministry functionality that God has ordained. Why did they fail? They failed to fulfill their God-given potential because many of them either misunderstood, misused, or abused what had been given to them by the Holy Spirit. What God had given them to bless and benefit the body of Christ and to empower them to reach the world had become more of a source of division and debate and argument and strife. And as they argued over which gifts were more important, which gifts were more honorable, which gifts were more desirable, they were not utilizing what God had equipped them with so that everyone could be better. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Amen. To value and esteem some gifts above others so that there's division, right? So that there's partiality. And in the meantime, nobody's getting made better because we're so busy over here looking at shiny things. They were also missing the prominent panoramic picture of correctly discerning the Lord's body. Amen. There are no superstars in the Lord's body. There is equal importance in the Lord's body. He even said that your more comely parts are worthy of greater honor. Hallelujah. So then, let's look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12. Come on, live stream, help me out. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul stresses that he did not want the brethren to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. How many know that the Bible shuns, frowns upon ignorance? The Lord wants us to be wise. He wants us to know. We ought to live from a, a no-soul position. We're not to be guessing, amen, but we are to know. Scripture says in a couple of places, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks to us about us knowing the things that God has freely given us. Amen. Come on, say, Lord, help me to know what I got. Help me to know who I am. Help me to know where I'm going. You know, the, the problem that most Christians have is that they don't know who they are. They don't know what they possess. And they do not know what they are capable of doing. Most believe, now y'all don't have that problem here at Bethany because we taught you better. But most believers, they're watching on live stream, they don't know who they are. They don't know what, who and what they possess. And they have no idea what they are capable of doing. I'm telling you right now, thank you, Jesus, I'll say that. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, how many times have you rehearsed it? How many times have you quoted it? How many times have you declared it? There's one little word in there I encourage you to do a word study on in 2021. It's the word power. It's the dunamis word. There's power in you that you hadn't tapped into yet. And, and the Bible says that God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Can I tell you something? You're probably praying too small because you don't know the power that's in you. You don't know what you're capable of doing. What if you start believing God? 
I mean, how many times do you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? Hallelujah. Boy, I want to go down that street, but the Lord didn't give me license. So Paul doesn't want them to be ignorant, and I don't want you to be ignorant. So what was Paul saying to them? Apparently, there was some level of misunderstanding concerning spiritual gifts, so they asked Paul to address it. Now, keep this in mind. Paul takes the remainder. They ask him uh, questions on spiritual gifts, and he takes from chapter, uh, chapter 12, verse 1, all the way over to chapter 14, verse 40, just to talk about spiritual gifts, how, to, how they are to properly function, to address their concerns and their misunderstanding. And so he is addressing their ignorance. Everybody say ignorance. It's on the screen. Ignorance is the Greek word agnoeo. I think I got it right. Agnoeo is a compound word. Ag, which means not. Like ignorance means not knowing. So ag means not and noeo, which means to proceed with the mind, to understand, to have understanding, to think upon, to heed, to ponder, to consider. So when you put the words together, agnoeo means to be ignorant, to not know, to not understand. It means things are unknown to you. Amen. To err, listen to this, or to sin through mistake. To be wrong. They were mistakenly sinning because of their ignorance, because of their misunderstandings. They were wrong as it pertains to spiritual gifts. Now, hopefully nobody in here is suffering from that. Amen. Because you understand spiritual gifts. If not, by the time we get through, you will. And the expectation is that you will function more in your spiritual gift. Amen. Because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Hallelujah. So responding in this manner, Paul was informing the Corinthians that as it pertains to spiritual gifts, he did not desire. Uh, he did not desire them to be ignorant, to not know, to not understand, to 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 function in the unknown, to err or to sin through mistake or to be wrong. And that they should be amen. And that rather should be the heart of every one of us. Especially those given to equip the saints for the work of ministry and the edifying of the body of Christ. As it pertains to the things of God and his kingdom, none of us should settle for ignorance. Amen. We should never tolerate ignorance as it pertains to the things of the kingdom. Ignorance is costly. How many know it on so many levels? Ignorance will make you pay. And as we have all seen Ignorance leads to all types of abuse, all types of deception, and even destruction. So Paul's apostleship carried with it the task of opening eyes in order to turn those in darkness to ignorance, to light, amen, of turn them rather, those that were in darkness and ignorance, to turn them to light and revelation and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and because see if you're functioning in your in your spiritual gifts in error or not in agreement with the word you're in sin 
And so apostles want those who are functioning that way, who are functioning in ignorance or darkness, amen, to come into the light, to, to have the power of Satan broken off of them so they can turn to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ, according to Acts 26 and verse 18. And I believe that this is the case even for ascension gift apostles today. That's our call. To bring you from ignorance, right, darkness to light, to turn you from the power of Satan to God, that you may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in Christ. And so those in ignorance concerning the spiritual gifts need the instruction and the impartation of true fivefold ministry, particularly apostles and prophets. So there are several ways, several ways one can be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Y'all going to hang in here? Yes, sir. Amen. First of all, first of all, a person can be ignorant that there is such a thing as spiritual gifts. You would not believe the number of believers who are not even aware that spiritual gifts exist, that they have importance, that they have value, because they go to churches where one person does it all. There's no expectation. There's no teaching. There's no discussion. There's no opportunities. He or she can fail to know that God endows the genuine believer. Who? The genuine believer with supernatural gifts that empower and enable him to serve and to live for Christ. Come on, say I'm gifted and I know it. Y'all didn't say it like y'all believe. I'm gifted and I know. I've been empowered by God. I've been endowed with supernatural gifts that enable me to serve and to live for Christ. I can do all things through Christ and his anointing, because he is the anointed one. We don't need atmospheres. We need the anointed one. I don't know what might be in the atmosphere, but I know what's in the anointing. The yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God is in the anointing. And God has given, endowed me with, a, with supernatural gifts that empower me. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. And he enables me to serve. Hallelujah. And y'all know some church folk, you got to have some extra grace when you're serving. Why y'all looking at me like that? And to live for Christ. Secondly, a person may know that God gives his people gifts, but they may not know what unique gifts God has given him or her. You've heard the language, you've heard the, the discussion, but you don't know what gift God has given you. And so the believer may know or may not know what God wants him or her to do for Christ and the church. Come on, say I'm in the right place. If you're watching on live stream, you're in the right place. Number three, a person may know the gifts given them by the spirit, but they may not know how to properly use them. Happens to a lot of people. Amen. They may not know how to use them properly. And it was at this point that the Corinthian church was having so much trouble. They knew they had the gifts. They just didn't know how to use them properly. 
So many believers knew, knew their spiritual gifts, but they misused them, failing to use them as God would have them. There is only one solution to ignorance. It's revelation. It's the revelation of God. That's the only solution to ignorance. And ultimately, Christ is the revelation of all revelations. The more you know Christ, the more you know. Oh, my God. Come on over here. Thank you, Jesus. Come over to 2 Peter. The more you know Christ, the more you know what you're working with. People that are in ignorance, they don't know Jesus, especially folk in the church. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. It says, verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord, uh, Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. How many things? All things. That, what do they pertain to? Life and godliness. Where do they come from? Through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So the more that I can come to know him, the more I come to know and to understand and appreciate and properly esteem those things that he has given me that pertain to life and godliness. So Christ is the revelation of all revelations. Christ is the word, the logos of God. And, and so accurate instruction and impartation and study of him and his word, they are vital. Come on, say I must study the word of God. Being accurately taught the word of God causes believers to no longer walk in ignorance. That's why we have the word seminars, because we don't want you to walk in ignorance. We want to accurately teach you the word of God. Saints must also study the word of God and seek the Holy Spirit's guidance to learn about spiritual gifts. You can't get it all from this table. You have to sit down with your books at your table and study. Amen. And then study some more and pray some more. I can't get no amens tabletop. Hallelujah. But you've got to study. And the saints must again come to know their particular gifts and callings and how to function in them properly. I, we might not get into it tonight. We won't get into it tonight, but maybe tomorrow. Some people are too busy running behind callings and God didn't give you a calling. He just gave you gifts. Everybody is not called. There's only a few callings. So don't let people put that pressure on you that you're called. It could be that you're just gifted. Amen. See, that sounds like an area of not knowing that we need to talk about. Because people are chasing call when God didn't call them in this sense. He gifted them. To be able to build, build the body. Amen? Amen? And so when the church operates appropriately in the spiritual gifts, people should see and experience Christ and not men. I love that. When, when, when the church operates appropriately in the spiritual gifts, people should see and experience Christ. They should declare this is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our eyes. They shouldn't walk out the door talking about the preacher. They should walk out of the door saying Jesus showed up today. Because if healing manifests, it's not the evangelist, it's Jesus. If deliverance comes in the room, it's not my God the prophet, it's Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Christ had the spirit without measure. It only stands to reason that he would have the fruit and the gifts of the spirit without measure as well. So one could even say that the gifts and the fruit indicate Christ as we understand that it is the spirit's job to bear witness to him. So every time you bear spiritual fruit, people ought to see Christ. Every time you function in your gift because the gifts are him and the fruit are him, people ought to see Jesus. Amen. So in writing to the Corinthians, Paul urges them to be mindful. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Amen. I'm not going to overdose you tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 2. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. Says to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. We're part of the sanctified church. He says, uh, called to be who? To be saints. That's a calling that y'all to work on. To being set apart ones, holy ones. Amen. Doing all you can to keep the filth of the world out of your life. Come on, it's everywhere. Right? Man, it's kind of hard to maneuver without some of it getting on you. Because it's everywhere. He says, with, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So don't get the big head. You're not a saint by yourself. And then verses 4 through 9, we won't read them, but he, he reminds them of their callings as saints. Now, I believe Paul ultimately desires for them to live by God's power and wisdom. I'm trying to lay foundation. He wants the believers to live by God's power and wisdom. God's power far exceeds man's. We can't keep showing up in church expecting to do by our flesh what requires God's power. How many folks say, well, I wish we were back in the days where they were, people were leaving the wheelchairs and the crutches and all of that. Those folk believe in God's power. When you can't go to the doctor, like over in Africa or some places like that, in Haiti, buddy, you got to have faith because you just can't get to the doctor. And I think we've gotten so man-dependent, we don't depend on God's power and God's wisdom. We'll take a pill. Can't get no help here. God, his power far exceeds man's. God is at odds with the wisdom of the world. His wisdom also far excels that of man. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Look at verse 18. He says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved. Come on, say that's me. I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I shall be saved. But to those who are being saved, it is what, saints? The power of God. Hallelujah. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. All these folk with all this education, intellect, wisdom, intelligence, and I'm not, I'm not belittling any of that, but the Bible says he's going to destroy the wisdom of the wise. Keep, keep going to school. Get all those degrees. We need you. Saved, sanctified doctors, lawyers, engineers, 
architects, whatever it is. Go ahead and get it all. Security, cyber security, whatever it is, get it. But understand that he's going to bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Those that do it without him. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the age? Has not God made the foolish, the, has made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. Old mother said you can keep looking into God, you'll look your eyeballs out your head. Trying to figure out with your own mind. He says it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block. To the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, come on say that's me, both Jews and Greek, look at this, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's how God wants us to live, by the power of God and the wisdom of God, and it's all embodied in Christ. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. That's how we live. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Fundamentally, the power and the wisdom that Paul writes about, that God encourages us to live by, that doesn't come from the world, doesn't come from men. This power and this wisdom comes from Christ. That's why the world don't care about you talking about God. Because they got so many gods. But you start saying Jesus, the son of the living God, they got a problem. The devil will wake up in them. Amen. Don't you know that's not politically correct? You're supposed to keep that private and personal to yourself. But you can talk about gods all day long. Hallelujah. In verse 24, he says, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Look at verse 30. He says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus. Somebody ought to shout about that. Who became for us wisdom from God. Christ became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Amen. I think y'all probably had enough. Let me give you this last thought. Well, let me give you this. I want to give you this working definition, then I'll give you some practical thoughts. You get this in, in, in your mind, notebook, whatever. I got this from Sam Storms. He's a unique brother because he's a reformed guy. He's Calvinist, once saved, always saved. But he, most of them are cessationists. They believe that the gifts cease. There's no more apostles and prophets. Amen. But he got filled with the Holy Ghost. He's speaking in tongues, right? Highly educated, seminary professor, pastor, and he, he has the most wonderful definition, and we're going to adopt it here on spiritual gifts. He said a spiritual gift is when the Holy Spirit manifests his presence. Man, don't you take that gift home no more. I need you to let the gift function in you so that the Spirit of God manifests his presence in every service that we have. How many believe that can happen? Now, you got to believe that he's on the inside of you. Yes. 
then he imparts his power into and through individual believers to enable them to exceed the limitations of their finite humanity. Boy, that sounds good to my spirit. Hallelujah. Can I read that again? He imparts his power into and through individual believers to enable them to exceed the limitations of their finite humanity. I know it's not me. Hallelujah. This is beyond me. But this is where God's grace shows up. Hallelujah. And closes the gap down in my life between the power of God and the problem that men have. Exceeds our limitation so that we might faithfully and effectively, amen, fulfill certain ministry tasks for the building up of the body of Christ. If the body of Christ is broke down, beat down, tore down, whatever it is, it's because this is not happening enough among us. Amen, amen, amen. That's a great definition. We'll talk about it some more. Amen. Let's skip verse 2. So what's the proper thing to know and do? Hallelujah. Y'all know I got a whole lot more to say, but we're going we're gonna to knock it off right here. So what's the proper thing to know and to do? Because for us, we, we, the th three things we're concerned about for every person in this church, be, know, and do. Be, know, and do. What, what are we supposed to be? What is it we're supposed to know? What is it we're supposed to do? First of all, we must not be ignorant of the spiritual gifts and their proper function within the body. Not one person in this church is going to be allowed to be ignorant of the spiritual gifts and their proper function within the body. We must know that the power of God and the wisdom of God, which are Christ are necessary for proper functioning in the gifts because you can mimic the gifts. The problem with these individuals, they were pagans. They were idol worshipers. They were used to being moved. That where it says they were led about. That means to be led by some force, even if it's satanic. It's like Ella was talking about on Sunday. These emerging social networks, they've got their own form of worship. These QAnon people that are sacrificing their babies using biblical language. Man, you can get caught up in some of that stuff and the force that's moving you is demonic. It's insidious. It's not godly. It's not the Holy Spirit. They couldn't tell the difference. Huh? Some of y'all remember in the nightclubs when they used to play that certain kind of music, it was almost hypnotic. It was just the beat. Everybody out there just rocking, 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 rocking. Won't thinking about nothing. If you had a little something in you, them other spirits, I can't get no amen in here. Y'all been sanctified all your life. Huh? You start moving a certain way. You was being led by. I know I'm telling the truth. That's how they were. And Paul had to remind them that you all, that's how you are. I mean, some of them were speaking in tongues. One person evidently must have spoken in tongues and said that Jesus was accursed. And so Paul has to say, nobody being moved on by the Holy Spirit will ever call Jesus accursed. Nor can you uh, sincerely call him Lord unless the Holy Spirit empowers you to do so. 
So we got to know that the power of God and the wisdom of God, which are Christ, are necessary for proper functioning in the gifts. Don't make it up. Don't mimic it. Amen. Thirdly, we must know that the gifts of the spirit function by the power of the spirit. And we need the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. To show up in us every time. Man, you need to start praying at least before you get out the car. Holy Ghost, I need you to show up in me. My brothers and sisters, they're depending on me today. I need to be anointed. I need to be my gift. I need you to stir it up. I don't know who I'm going to have to exhort, who I'm going to have to encourage, who I'm going to have to edify, who I'm going to have to. I don't know who need to be healed today. But I got a word in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. I want healing to work through me. I want miracles to work, faith to work through me. Come on, I want the gifts that God gives in Romans chapter 12. I want the gifts that Paul lays out that we'll talk about in 1 Corinthians 12 that come through. I want them functioning in me by the power of the Holy Spirit. We must know that the spiritual gifts are not to function by another force. Amen. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The Bible talks about it. People love the lie so much that the Lord just turned them over to delusion and said, since you love the lie, I'm going to give you the lie. And you'll start believing in lying signs and wonders. The devil can, can, can counterfeit. Come on. He can give word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Come on. We need to be able to know the difference. Spiritual gifts, those that come from God, from the Holy Spirit, are not to function by another force. We must not engage in false worship as we function in the spiritual gifts. So we should never worship a person unless it's the person of the Holy Ghost. We shouldn't worship the gift. Come on, y'all. Amen. Can't engage in false worship. When the, when the spiritual gifts manifest, when the spiritual gifts are doing what they're supposed to, man, we're supposed to be giving God all the glory, all the praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. We ought to be blessing his name. We must be aware and apt to avoid speaking false messages. And false messages, glory be to God. And you got to think about this. A false message. You saying God said it and God didn't say it. So we've got to be aware. Try the spirit by the spirit. All right, Lord, I heard this. Prophecy is not on the same line with scripture. Right? Amen. Now, even though the Bible tells us in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 that we are not to uh, quench the Holy Spirit, don't despise prophecy, it says, amen, to test all things. Right? Hold on to what is good. Get rid of the evil part. So you walk up to me saying, God told me, gave me a word for your life. You need to say, okay, you hold on to it. I'm going to wait to God talk to me. God told me about your future, who you supposed to marry. I said, that's good. Just hold, hold on to that. I'm going to talk to God and let him talk to me for himself. That's how we end some of this craziness and this foolishness. There are some people who have the prophetic gift that can walk in a room and begin to pick up on the hearts and the minds of people and speak it as though it is prophecy when it's really just them reading the minds and the hearts of the people. 
some of them haven't been trained so they don't even know the difference. And the people receive it as prophecy. You falling all out on the floor. They're just telling you what you had on, in your mind. What was in your heart. You saying, can't nobody know that but God because ain't nobody know that but me. But truly gifted prophets can pick up on it. They can pick up on the corporate mind in the church and start talking about stuff that the saints was talking about and declare it like it's prophetic, but it's not. Amen. We must avoid speaking the truth apart from the Holy Spirit. Amen. All of this matters because all the gifts are given to build the saints, which is actually building the father's house. Amen. As they begin to play softly, it's on the chart under this section called self. All of this takes its rise out of the person of the father, the person of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. It goes over to vocation and ministry. When it comes to the spiritual gift, I got one response. The will of the father by the grace of God. Father, I know you're going to use me today. So whatever your will is, I submit to it. However your grace want to manifest, I ain't standing in this, I'm a teacher. Well, what if God wants you to be the healer today? What if God wants you to show mercy? But well, that ain't my lane. No, it's the will of God by the grace of God. And that we, we have a priest heart in terms of our worship and service. That means we try to do all we can to stay sanctified and clean vessels unto honor, meat for the master's use, prayed up, worded up. That's not a phrase, Sister Christie, but worded up. And then this being equipped with ministries, gifts, and the callings of Christ. Christ is the fullness of all ministry. So we ought to be so thankful that we got the gift of the Spirit because that means we've got a part of Christ on the inside of us. Man, I'm telling you, we don't know who we are. We don't know who and what we possess. And in a lot of cases, we don't know what we're capable of doing. But what if we just got informed and you don't just receive this as a teaching for the next two nights. You ask God to make it an impartation for you. Lord, I want to function properly in the spiritual gift. I want my brothers and sisters to be able to depend on me. That's why I'm spending time in prayer and in fasting and in the word. I want to be able to hear your voice. And then I need sometimes, you know, uh, uh, because I'm, I'm, I may be a little skeptical, a little fearful. Lord, I need you to make me bold. So I don't sit there and say, I'm going to go after this song. I'm going to go after Lydia, get the announcement. I'm going to go after First Lady, do the well. I'm, I'm going to tell them right after the benediction. I'm going to meet them at their car. And then it's two weeks later. And you still haven't done what God told you to do. Now we want to see these things functioning in the body for the glory of God. Father, we thank you so much. Hallelujah. You're bringing many out of darkness into light, out of ignorance into revelation, breaking the power of Satan off of their lives so they can come 
to God our Father so they can find forgiveness so that they can come into the inheritance that's in your son Jesus Christ that we receive by faith in him. Thank you God that, that through the teaching tonight Father we thank you that folk are getting a better understanding of the spiritual gifts. I pray apostolically Lord that we're laying a foundation that you can build on that these gifts will function freely in this house, that they will function freely in the lives of your people. God, that according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, that the manifestations of the gifts be for the profit of all. Help us be for the advantage of every person, especially when we gather. I pray this for those on live stream. I pray that the Spirit of God will begin to rise up in them, move upon them, boldness, zeal, accuracy, Lord, proper functioning in Jesus' mighty name. God, I thank you tonight. I pray that you lay hands on them wherever they are. Just lay your hands on them, Lord. Anoint them with fresh oil. Anoint them with the zeal of the Lord, the fire of your presence. Make this real to them, God. Give them an opportunity before this week is out to function in their spiritual gift, to bring the building up of the spirit to somebody that's in the body. Do it, God. Do it, do it. We don't need you to do it because we, 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 we need to be convinced, Lord. We want you to do it because this is the desire of your heart. Father, we thank you for this. Hallelujah. We bless those that are here and those that are watching by live stream in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a clap for the word. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank